All right, good morning, everyone. Um, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 14 this morning, verses 13 through 21. And we're going to be answering the question, where does my help come from? You know, I love one of the songs we, we sang this morning is, um, God, I look to you. And just such an amazing song. I remember I was at a conference one time, and I was in the, the main conference area, and everybody was worshiping, and the band was up there. And, and honestly, I just... I just wasn't feeling it. You know, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know, whatever, okay, waymaker, yeah, I get it, okay. And I don't, I'm, that's just kind of how I was. I don't know why. And I was praying and praying and asking the Lord to soften my heart. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling whatever was going down at that conference. And um, suddenly, as I was praying, this song came on that I maybe, I don't even know if I had ever heard it before, but it seems so familiar. And as that song started playing, it just became my prayer, God, I look to you. I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. And God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. And I just, man, I just in a moment, I fell on my knees and I began to weep and just worship, uh, worship the Lord. And ever since then, it's been one of my favorite songs to sing. Um, and I didn't even think about it this morning, but as I was playing it, as we were singing it together, I realized how fitting it was um, for the message. So before we get started, pray with me. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for a place and a time to gather to hear your word. Lord, we know that all things will pass away, but Lord, your word endures forever, Father God. We know that all your word is verity, absolute truth, Lord, and you give new life and life abundantly, life everlasting to those who fear you, Lord, to hear your word, who believe, and we thank you that even that is a gift that only you can give. And so this morning, as we open your word, I pray, Jesus, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive it. Holy Spirit, that you would fill me and speak whatever message you have for your people, according to your will, Lord, that we would all be surrendered, because, Father, you are the king of this kingdom, and you are the pastor of this church. And so we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to read this to start us off. It's the first two verses of Psalm 21, or I'm sorry, 121. And it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, this morning we're going to talk about where our help comes from, and not just in a a very simple understanding. I think there's a lot of things in the Christian faith that if we would say, I would say, oh, this is a truth about God, and you would say, oh, yes, we agree, and I would say, oh, and this is a truth about God, and you would say, oh, yes, I agree. Um, the hard part is when we have to live those truths out, right? And one of the things that can very easily happen um, as Christians is we, we recite and we understand and we memorize all the promises of God. We know he's a provider. We know he's a healer right? We know he's our savior. But then when it comes time and we lack provision, we scramble and we, we try to do this and, and suddenly we're overcome with, oh, what am I going to do? And oh, who can I reach out to? And, and, and there's where, where is my help going to come from? And when we need protection, when we need whatever it is, and there is this kind of this anxiety and this fear that we can easily walk in even though we would all nod and say, yes, he's provision. Yes, he's our provider. Yes, he's our savior. And then we're sinking in the water. And, oh, Lord, where are you? Right? And at the end of the day, it's just, there's a very fine line um, 
for us? And are we really walking in faith? Are we really, are we really trusting the Lord to provide the things we need for our life in every level of our life? And so in Matthew 14, there's this, there's this really amazing story here um, that actually a, a week or the Sunday before I taught this to the Pathway Kids, which was on a Thursday, we had received a story from, um, was it the Jesus film people? or the, so We re- received a story about uh, there was a missionary, and he was ministering to a guy in a village who didn't know Jesus. And he, okay, he believed in gods or some sort of God, and he heard Jesus is a prophet. But he, there's no way Jesus could be God. And so one morning he was uh, walking up and ministering to this guy and telling him about the miracle of Jesus multi- multiplying the bread and fish. And, um, you know, the guy was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Really didn't take to it. Well, the next day he came back to that guy's house, or maybe a couple days later, and he's, you know, going towards this guy. And suddenly this guy comes out, and he's happy, and he's overwhelmed, and he's there to greet him. And he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? And the man in this village told him this story. That one night, I guess maybe it had been a couple days, because one night after he had heard that story from this missionary, he came home and realized that his family had nothing to eat. They had no food. They had no bread, right? Very poor, poor village. And he remembered this story about Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish. And so he cried out to this Jesus, and if you are really God, you can provide for my family. Well, the next morning, the man wakes up, and he gets a call from his employer. And he says, hey, what are you doing? Yada, yada, yada. Okay, I'm going to come by. He says, oh, oh, good. You know, maybe I'll get some work. Maybe I can get some food. And so his employer comes up, and he walks out, and he opens up the back of his, of his truck or van or whatever it was, and there's just baskets of bread and fish. And he's like, okay, here you go. He's like, great. Where do I need to take it to? He said, what? He said, where do I need to take it to? He said, no, 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 no. This is for you. This is, this is for your family. And the day after he had prayed and asked God to provide for his family, just a few days after he had heard the story of bread and fish being multiplied by Jesus, his boss, I forget why, there was some sort of issue, and his boss showed up and gave him free bread and free fish. And it was that experience that led this man to Jesus Christ. And so here in Matthew 14, starting in verse 13, we have this story. After Jesus, or I'm sorry, after John the Baptist is beheaded, it says in verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. 
And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. <clears throat> so this is a very, very interesting, very interesting story. And uh, I can really relate to Jesus in this story, actually. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But Jesus has this pattern. He walks from place to place. He gets up early. He spends time with the Father. He ministers all day, typically into the night. He goes off alone. He spends time with the Father. I don't know when the guy sleeps. Apparently on the boat when everybody else is thinking they're going to die. That's the only time. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and there's this constant ministry. There's this constant outpouring. And he's just always looking just for these few moments where he can really set aside time and just seek the Father's voice, seek the Father's will. And I'll tell you what, that must get really exhausting. It must get really exhausting. I know for me, um, I have days sometimes where I'm, I'm, I'm up at 7, I'm out for the day, I'm here, I'm there, I'm asked, you know, preaching sermons, I'm answering questions, I'm doing videos, I come home, there's people at my house talking to those people. I didn't even get home till maybe 8 or 9 at night, now I'm up to 10, 11, midnight, I go to sleep, I get up at 7 again. And... Uh, that can sometimes be very exhausting. There are some times where it's just like, man, like a nice quiet room by myself. Whoo, praise the Lord. That's what I'm looking for. And we see, we see Jesus looking for that type of rest here. <clears throat> In verses 13, it says, He departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. That's how I know me and Jesus got things in common, okay? But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Now, I want you to put yourself in that position. Anybody ever felt just exhausted, just tired? Anybody ever been around a bunch of people and you were just ready to get home and be like, okay, we're done? Like, hi, bye, okay, we're, we're out. And then just imagine you finally, you, you're like when you go on vacation and you come home needing a vacation, that feeling, right? And then imagine just walking into home, you know, and then boom, surprise, you know, here's 20 more people. Oh, great, that's another five hours. You know, just, just imagine that like, oh, man. And you can imagine, this is, this is how Jesus felt, but like probably times 20. Dude's walking around in sandals in the heat in Jerusalem or around Israel. You know what I mean? They ain't no AC, okay? He ain't driving no Cadillac. He don't got a donkey at this point. He's just walking, right? He's got a boat, at least that. And so he's looking for rest, and these people, here he's out alone, so what do they do? They go track him down, right? Oh, let's go get Jesus. And he's like, thanks. And uh, so all these people are coming, and you can imagine kind of the, the mental, emotional trouble that he, might have, he must have gone through quite often. I mean, he, yes, he's fully God, but he lived on this earth as a man, and he experienced these things as a man. And if you get tired, he got tired more. If you get taxed, he got taxed more. If you get annoyed with people, there's some scriptures where you see Jesus, how long do I have to deal with these faithless people, right? Like, oh my gosh. <clears throat> and so these are all these things Jesus experienced so that he could know how to, you know, uh, sympathize with us. We know that he ex he's experienced these things. But I want you to notice what he does. It says, and when Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude, he took off, running really fast. No. It says, and when Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. Everybody say compassion. He was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. Elsewhere, it talks about Jesus seeing the, the people, the multitudes, and just, man, they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
he understood that they're lost, that they're apparently hurting because there are sick people to be healed. They're coming with burdens. They're looking for hope. They're asking this question, where does my help come from? And they probably know, Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord. Well, guess what? He's out in a desert place. You better go find him. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for hope. They're looking for provision. They're looking for salvation. And he sees them and he has compassion on the multitude. I, I, just, I was imagining this yesterday when it says that he healed their sick, that they're having to leave from the cities on foot to go out. And just think of if Jesus went, or left from here to, to Ingram. He was at the Ingram Park. And some of us here are, are, are sick. They got the corona, right? Uh, some of us, uh, my son right now, he cut his foot open, so he's having to hop around on, on, on one foot. Some of them are paralyzed, maybe. Some of them are dealing with ailments that make it very difficult, and they're walking out on foot to go see him, right? That's a pretty big effort and commitment. And they're looking for him, and he sees him, he has compassion on them, and he heals the sick there. Where am I? Here we go. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him. So I want you to do a little compare and contrast here. You see Jesus' heart, who's obviously burdened, obviously tired, obviously looking for some refreshment for the Lord. And here's this next great, okay, on to the next one. But you know what? He has compassion, and he provides for them the love of God. He realizes that he's not here. Jesus didn't come to be pampered and live in a mansion, right? He didn't come for people to rally around him and chant, Hosanna. They did that right before he was crucified. But that's not, he came to do the will of the Father. He came to show the love of God. He came to preach salvation to the lost. And so he sacrificed his life and his comfort and his glory and his deserving to fulfill that will. And then you have the disciples, which is us. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, we got to say, first of all, that's very sound logic, okay? Look, man, it's late. These guys are hungry. People are going to be shutting down shops soon. Let them go. Let them go eat. Okay, but really what they're saying, if you look at this, is like, hey, Jesus, like, we got 5,000 dudes plus women and children, okay? That's a lot of peeps. And he said, look, there's no provision here. We're in a desert, right? There ain't no hot and readies, okay? We don't have provision for this. We don't have the ability. We don't have the strength. We don't have, what, we don't have the resource for these people. Let, you know, they have problems. Let them go deal with their own issues, and then Jesus says something that convicted me so badly one day. He says in verse 16, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, I want to tell you one day, um, I think it was a Friday night. It may have been a, yeah, it was a Friday night. And I had been going all week, and I was tired. I was exhausted, uh, just, emo- just mentally exhausted. Um, I was not real, feeling real full of the spirit, not because I was so overburdened by my schedule per, ha- per se, but mostly just because I wasn't putting things in order properly. I wasn't giving myself the right amount of time to seek the Lord, and I was going from one thing to another, and, and it, uh, you know, I was getting ready to prepare for Friday night, <coughs> and 
There were people in the garage. There were people in the kitchen. There were people in the living room. There were people in my room, you know what I mean? And there was nowhere for me to go. And so I went into the kids' room. It was the only empty room at the time. And the lights were off, so I figured nobody will know I'm in there. And uh, I sat down against, on, on the ground against the wall. <sighs> and I just began to pray. And this is like an hour before home church starts, and I don't even know what the heck we're going to go over yet. Um, I'm just going to pick up where I left off, but I wasn't even sure what that was. And I'm praying, and, I, and I'm just, I have this feeling, okay? This is just, it was just a feeling, and the thought that crossed my mind, not that I was partnered with that, not that I really accepted this, but this is just for a moment how I felt. And I remember kind of just saying to myself, like, man, like, I just wish everybody would go away <laughs> for a night. I just wish everybody would go away. Maybe home church can go somewhere else, and I'll just stay here. And that's how I felt. And uh, I remember kind of saying that to myself and being like, yeah, that's garbage. Okay. Um, so Lord help. <laughs> and I begin to pray and I begin to, I just opened up the word um, somewhere. I wasn't even worried about what we were going to preach that, talk about that night. I just opened up the word just to read for myself, not to prepare for it, just to read. And I opened up to Matthew 14, randomly. And I begin to read and I got to this part where the multitudes are coming they're looking for Jesus. They're looking to hear his voice. They're looking to be healed. And the disciples are saying, Lord, let's just send them all away. And then I read those words, they don't need to go away. You need to give them something to eat. And it was like just, bah, right in my face, man, just right in my selfish little punk heart. And, uh, and I was just, man, I was so convicted. I was so just pressed with, with the weight of God in that statement but it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't some sort of condemning way. It was actually, it brought revival to my heart. And I said, Lord, thank you that you're good. And I said, Lord, thank you that you have a purpose, Lord, that you have a plan, Lord, that you are provision. And Father God, whatever you want to say tonight, you will speak, rather I'm in it or not, Lord God. And I began to cry out to the Lord. I began to ask for his power. And I went and ended up having, you know, I think the first kind of the highs and lows part of the prayer, I was maybe still feeling a little bit out. But when we came to worship, when we came to preach the word, man, I was like, whoo! Like I just had some Holy Spirit Red Bull, baby. I was ready to go. And it was the provision of the Lord just supernaturally, just supernaturally. And one thing that has convicted me for a long time, in a sense of stirring me up to prayer, is that in 1 Peter, it says, and if anybody ministers, let him minister with the power that God supplies. The power that God supplies. Not the power that you supply. Not the power that your great Bible study uh, commentaries supplied. Not the power that you, you know, having some experience supplies. But the supernatural power that only comes from God. And if we cannot operate, if we cannot love, if we cannot teach, if we cannot share, if we cannot worship in the power that God supplies, we have nothing to offer any different than anyone else in the world. And I'm ashamed to say that many, 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 many times we as a church, I mean just corporately, right, do not do that. We know how to sing. We know how to play. We know how to preach a passage. We know how to do this. And we go and we do good things in our own strength. And I think it grieves the Holy Spirit. On the other side of that, many times we see situations and we don't advance. We don't help others. 
We don't outstretch our hands. We don't provide for those in need. We don't do what God is calling us to do because, Lord, I can't do that. I don't have those skills. I don't have those resources. I mean, look around. It's a deserted place. It's already late. We might as well just go home. Man, I've had those, <laughs> those words whispered to my heart so many times in various different contexts. And this message is very encouraging to me, even as we prayed this morning, to, talking about going out to public squares, holding worship, preaching the gospel. You know, we can spend all this money, we can show up, and no one else could show up. We could be there singing the Lord all by ourselves, and that'd be great, but it would defeat the purpose. It would defeat the purpose. And I'm not, you know, the most talented musician. I am not good at doing events, okay? I have no idea what I'm doing. And it kind of sketches me out a little bit, to be honest. When things are already established and you want me to come preach the gospel, I'm there. When I got to figure all that out too, (laughs) oh man, that's not me. That's not me. And so those are the places, and th- for me and, and for us, those are the places where like, whoa, yeah, okay, no, I'm good right here, but all that other stuff, or well, the Lord, well, I don't know, Lord, like Moses is like, man, you know, God, I'm not a really good speaker, you know, you want me to go talk to Pharaoh, like, can't you send someone else? And the Lord's like, oh, I'm sorry, who, who, who made the tongue? Oh, yeah, that was me. Oh, wait, who's sending you? Oh, yeah, same guy, Right? But that heart that Moses had, that, that fear, that struggle, man, we experience that all the time. All the time. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with sharing the gospel. Maybe it's, it's I don't know. But it's this question, where does my help come f- from? And in church, we might say, my help comes from the Lord. But in those situations, we say, I don't know, because I don't see it. And there is this lack of faith that Jesus is trying to address. I mean, you got to think about this. Jesus knew how much food they had. Jesus knew how many people were there. Him telling, him telling the disciples to go feed the multitude at night in the middle of a desert, or it wasn't a desert, but the wilderness, as they call it, that was a setup, okay? Remember how I told you I, got, I had a Holy Spirit setup? Yeah, so did they, okay? They said, man, we've got no resource, we've got no power, what are we going to do? And Jesus says in verse 16, they do not need to go away, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, we... we We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said this, bring them here to me. Now, guys, this is beautiful. This is like the story of my life right here, okay? One time, let me me give you one more story since we're on story story time. Courtney, she used to make this pot of uh, chicken tortilla soup, okay? And she hasn't made it in a while, actually, but she used to make it all the time, same pot, same amount of chicken, same, I mean, it is like, it fed our family to the T, Maybe there was enough for, like, me and Courtney to, like, split a little, like, ladle full, get a little bit of seconds. But, I mean, it was a very normal meal. We knew how much it made. <clears throat> and she's already making it, and suddenly her sisters want to come. So now we have two other people to eat. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, well, we, can, we can make that work. We can spread the bowls out just a little bit more. The kids can get a little less. We can always do chicken nuggets or something, you know, me and kids, whatever. And uh, so they come. And then someone else shows up just randomly. So now we've got three extra people. And then I get a phone call that someone else is coming. And so long story short, all these people start showing up to our house, expecting dinner for whatever reason. <laughs> and, uh, and all we have is just enough food to feed my wife, myself, and our, at the time, four kids. That was all that was in that pot. 
And so they start coming, and so, okay, well, you know, don't, sweetheart, don't worry about it. If we, we'll just give the kids a little bit, and if we need to give them more, we'll make something else. And don't worry about me. I'm not going to eat. It's not a big deal. I can eat something later, and, you know, whatever, 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 whatever. And so all these people show up. It ended up being like five or six extra people that showed up. And so they all, we let them go first, and they all get a bowl. And, and of course, beforehand, I'm like, okay, well, let's just pray. And we just prayed and blessed the food. And, Lord, I pray that you just, you know, thank you for providing. Thank you for blessing them, Lord. Fill, fill everyone in the house. Thank you for the food. Amen. And everybody gets a bowl, and we've got these guests who, I mean, their bowls are just, like, steaming, and they're, like, overflowing, you know what I mean? And they're like, all right, you know, praise the Lord. And they go sit down, and then the kids, and they come, and they get some, and, and they got full bowls, too. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then Courtney comes out. She's got a full bowl. And I'm like... Man, well, praise the Lord, at least, at least it fed everybody. That was very surprising to me. I couldn't believe that because it's the same meal that we always make. And I was like, well, you know, I might as well go see what's going on. And I look in there, and the pot is still a quarter full. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm looking back in the kitchen, you know, from the kitchen, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, well, maybe it's just soup, you know. There's no chicken in there, you know. So I get my bowl and I, I pull out the ladle, man. And this, we talking about Campbell's chunky, baby. And so I fill up my bowl, and there's still there's still some left. And so I go and I sit down and I eat, and everybody eats, and I'm like, oh, all right. So I, I'm like, hey, well, everybody, the food all right? Oh yeah, food is great. Everybody get enough? Oh yeah, we're good. Anybody want more? We've got more. And oh no, we're full. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there and I'm just, and this story just hits me, and I'm like, wow. Like, we just fed, like, how many is that? <laughs> like 12, 13, 14 people, I don't even know, with enough food that was barely going to stretch to six. And we had food left over in the pot, at least enough for two more bowls. And my mind was just blown there for a second. And I remember just going in the room and just praising the Lord for his provision. And so... <clears throat> says, Lord, we only have five loaves and two fish. But he says, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I want you to think about that for a second. <clears throat> How often do we actually trust God like that? One of the most profoundly stupid things that you'll ever read in the New Testament, in my opinion, is Pontius Pilate looking Jesus in the face and saying, what is truth? It's like, bro, you're looking him dead in the eyes. That is truth. In the same way, here the disciples are looking looking Jesus in the face, the one who spoke all existence into being. He is the word of God incarnate and saying, where is our provision? Jesus is like, hold my drink. <laughs> and here's a, but there's something very interesting. Jesus didn't go and do a little miracle with the nets and overflow the, the nets again. He didn't pull like some manna down from heaven. He said, you bring me what you have. Bring me what you have. And the disciples brought them the little, tiny, insign comparatively insignificant resource that they had. And so, yes, when you feel like your resource is insignificant, you're probably right. But the Lord's resource is not. Is not. Okay? And all this preaching on you're powerful and you're this and you're that. No, you're not. But the Lord is. 
and he works through you. And he blesses those who fear him, right? And he said, you bring me what you have. And Jesus took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it back to them. And they were the ones that went back out and distributed it to the people. And one of the things you'll hear me say often is pretty much everything I've ever done for the Lord, I was and pretty much still am more or less unqualified to do. Things have worked out pretty well so far. Not because of anything that I can boast of other, that, other than when the scriptures say, if anyone glories, let them glory in the Lord. My feeble desires, my, my small Bible knowledge, especially at the beginning, when I first started sharing the gospel on the street, I had a whole three verses memorized, but I'll tell you what, I wore those three verses out, baby, and people were getting saved. People were getting baptized, okay? When I first started doing a Bible study through the book of Romans, I'd never even read the book of Romans till the night before, okay? And I'm not, I'm not encouraging that, by the way, but that was just the work of God that he was moving through me. He was leading me into these things, and I was having to come before the Lord in fear and trembling, and I will never forget having my face down in, stuffed in my Bible saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, and if you don't show up, this isn't going to work. And we had an amazing Bible study through the book of Romans for the next several months. We only got to like chapter five, but it was good. (laughs) And the Lord was stirring in hearts, and he was growing me, and he was growing my brothers. And the Lord has done amazing things over the years, almost always in the midst of my lack Always, always in the midst of my inability, almost always in the midst of my lack of resource. So that the people around hearing the gospel, seeing this truth, watching this guy who they probably thought I knew what I was doing when I didn't, that they would learn not to trust in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So what does this mean for us? What this means for us is God is not looking for your wonderful talents, your wonderful spiritual gifts. He gave you those, by the way. They're not yours. Um, he's not looking for your wonderful insight. He's not looking for the biggest bank accounts. He's not, he's not looking for the strongest hands. The scripture says that he uses the base things of the world. He uses the weak. He uses the foolish to confound the wise. God is looking for faithful, humble people who trust him enough to say, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have is yours. And what Jesus did in this miracle, and what Jesus is telling us today, it is not about your resource, it's about his. The scripture says, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, baby. Right? That we have That we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. 1 Corinthians 3.21, all things are yours because all things are Christ's and Christ's is God. Where does our help come from? Where does our empowerment come from? Where does your ability to even serve someone in the name of Jesus come from? Not from you because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The biggest problem we have in ministering to the lost and ministering to each other is that a lot of times we've yet to settle the fact that aside from Christ, we can do nothing. We still chase and we still assess situations and we still step or don't step based on the assessment of our own ability rather than the simple question, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Okay, Lord, will you provide? Okay, Lord, will you provide? Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And he resides in us. And so wherever there is a need, wherever there are people who are hurt, who are lost, who are, who are looking for spiritual healing, man, we are all dead in our sins apart from Christ. And the only hope anyone has is not their good works, but it's in surrender to Jesus. It's in that confession that, yes, Lord, I am guilty. I have broken your law, and I have no hope. Lord, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you make me your disciple and let me walk in your kingdom? And to all who repent and believe in the name of Jesus, the answer is yes and amen. And that is the spiritual healing that Jesus, that is the spiritual provision that at the very least, Jesus is wanting to push through all of us. Not because you're a great preacher, but because you're a simple man, a simple woman with a great God. So I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you to consider, are there things that the Lord has put on your heart are there people that the Lord has put on your heart? Are there scriptures about service, about, about sharing, about sacrifice that have convicted you, but there's never been any steps towards those things? Are there things in your life that are hindered because you don't believe you have the resource? <clears throat> and when you see people around you, do you see them and have compassion? Do you see them and have compassion? Or does pride and insecurity blind your vision to the people who around you who still need Jesus? And I want to just encourage you and challenge you to start praying boldly that, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. But, Lord, I need you to show me. I need you to lead me. And, Lord, I need you to provide. Last encouragement before we close in prayer. This last month, and I've already shared this a couple of times. But basically, by the first of the month, I expected to have not only no money, but I was also expecting to, supposed to be starting Dallas Theological Seminary. They wanted five grand and also had no money for that. And I said, well, Lord, and I love this. Not that he's provided, but that he is provision. Lord, you are my provision. And Lord, you can provide for my family. And Lord, you will. And Lord, if you are sending me to this place, you will provide. And I sent my buddy a text, and I said, hey, pray for me. I didn't say if. I said, when the Lord provides, Whataburger's on me. And two days back to back, I found out through some weird circumstances. And anyway, it's not important. My whole salary was provided for for the month. And then the, either the day before or the day after, I went and had breakfast with an old friend. And uh, just about nothing in general. And he was asking me about school. Kind of came up, and I just told him, well, I'm just not really sure what's going on. Two days later, he came back with a buddy of his, who I may, maybe had met once, who had talked to the buddy of theirs, who I had never met, who said, not only are we going to pay for you to start school, but we've talked to these people from this place and this place. And it looks like not only will your semester be paid for, but they'll probably pay your whole way through your master's program. And all I did is say, Lord, I don't have, I don't, I I couldn't even try to come up with these resources. Lord, if you're, if you're leading me, Lord, you're going to have to provide. And I've got a hundred other stories just like it because God is faithful to his word. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord.
we thank you that you're good, Father. We thank you that you make nothing, something out of nothing, Lord God, that you exclaim, Father God, proclaim the, the end from the beginning, Father God, that you take the little bit that we have, Father, that you bless it and you give it back to us as something mighty, something that cannot just reach, Father, the multitudes, but fill them, Lord. And so I thank you, Lord. I, I pray that you would fill us with faith, Lord, and that that faith would overflow, Father God, that there would be 12 baskets full left over to give out to others, Lord God, that you would move through us, Father, and that we would surrender our pride, we would surrender our insecurities, Father, that we would put no confidence in the flesh, Lord, but we would look up and cry out, Lord, you are where my help comes from. Use these hands, use this heart, use these lips, Father, and glorify yourself in us today. So, Lord, I pray that your blessing would fall upon everyone here. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to us, Father, that you would push us out, Lord, to proclaim your word, that we would, you would bring us in to love one another, Father, and that we would grow more and more, Father, and encourage each other more and more towards love and good works, even as we say, see the great day approaching. So, Lord, we honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.